privilege to be in your house today. Move, Holy Spirit, that we might be changed, transformed from the inside out to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you may have, saw, may have seen the short 30-second video clip that I saw on Wednesday of this week. Two police officers were responding to a domestic violence call. And they were instructed that the conflict that was going on in the neighborhood that they were traveling to was in progress. When the officers arrived and got out of their vehicle, they were greeted by two toddlers. Both of them were in their underwear, no shirt, no sock, no shoes. And one of them walked up to the police officer and he began to literally cuss the cop out. He just laid into the cop. He couldn't have been more than four years old, if that. When the cop appeared to be ignoring him, he decided to get more aggressive, and he punched the cop beneath his belt line. Just slugged him. <laughs> just went bam, bam on him. So he, police officers did not try to uh, accost the little child, the little toddler. They walked away in the direction of the domestic uh, dispute. And even as they were walking, the little boy kept cussing. Just, what y'all doing here? You could hear him. And while all this was going on, you could see adults in the background. I don't know if their parents were anywhere in the scene, in, in, that, in that area, but not one adult said to those children that they should stop what they were doing. By the way, this happened in Minnesota the state where George Floyd was murdered. As I watched in disbelief, I asked myself the question, how could a child so young become so angry and violent towards authority so soon? Unfortunately, the answer is not complicated, but it is confusing. You see, Disrespect starts at home. It is a taught and learned behavior. Now, what's confusing to me is why would any self-respecting parent or an adult teach their children to dishonor people who are in authority that have the ability to either bless your life or to destroy it. 
I used to have a teacher who said, I'm going to get my pay paycheck. You guys don't have to pay attention. I'm going to get paid. <laughs> and I, I just thought that was so, that was just so rude. But she was right. People who are in authority already have what we are trying to get. And yet, somehow we have taught our children that it's okay to disregard authority other than ours. Teaching our children to respect authority starts by teaching them to fear God-ordained authority. I want you to listen to Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. It says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against their parents, against police officers, as as Difficult as it is sometimes, governmental figures, you are rebelling against God who has instituted and ordained their authority. Those who do so will be judged, will come under the judgment of God themselves. So authority was created by God and ordained as a, as a way of keeping order. And so when I respect my parents and the the people who are uh, in positions of of authority at work, I'm actually at the same time demonstrating my reverence, my respect for God. And when I don't, I'm not only disrespecting the, the authorities at the same time, we are disrespecting, are showing that we do not fear God. Today marks the beginning of a new series I'm entitling, Return to the Fear of God. To return to the fear of God, we need to understand one key factor, and we'll, talk, we'll build on this, but the key factor is this, God cannot reign where he's not revered. If God is disrespected, he's going to check out. Now, let me help you understand. I'm going to put this on, the, uh, 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 on a shelf that we can easily reach. You may have the title of CEO, the biggest office in the building, great parking spot. <laughs> but if your staff doesn't respect you, you're not running anything. You're not in charge. God does not enter into the picture of our lives to be in in, in, in a subordinate role to us. If he's not going to be in charge, then God will make his exit. He will not, he cannot reign where he's not reverence. Solomon put it this way, except the Lord build a house, they that labor, labor in vain, unless the Lord guard, unless the Lord is in charge. And that word less is, 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 a, is a term that suggests Permission is required in order for God to build your house, to protect your house, to bless your house. You must allow him to do so. And if you choose not to, then God will not force his blessings upon you. Walking in the fear of God gives him permission 
to build and to protect your home. You want a healthy marriage. You want a healthy relationship. You need to give God his rightful position. And the way we do that is by reverencing him. Now, what does it mean to fear God? I believe the reason why we see women being gunned down in, in broad daylight, they're not just shooting people in their shoulders and legs. I, I don't even want to be more graphic than that. But there's no regard for life. It's because when the fear of God is gone, there is no restraint. There is no shame. There is no higher consciousness of one's action when, there, when you have learned that there is no reason to fear the interventions of God. Now, what does it mean to fear God? First of all, the fear of God can be something, it's, it's something, let me add, it is something that must be taught. It is something that must be taught. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 through 14, I'm going to read those verses. Listen to the word of God. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. For how long? Teach them to who? Your children and to their children after them. So this instruction about God is supposed to be generational. It doesn't, we don't come out of the womb fearing God. We don't come out of the womb fearing you don't play with fire. You have to tell a kid, don't put your hand on the stone. Now, they may disobey, then learn the hard way, but, if, but any good parent is going to give instruction about safety. And so he says, teach this for the generations. Remember the day you stood before the Lord, your God, at, at Horeb, Mount Horeb. When he said to me, assemble the people before me to bear my word so that they may learn to, re may learn to revere me. And long, as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children, we must learn to respect God. So if you raise your child in the best school, wear the best clothes, buy the best house, Surround them, quote, unquote, with the best friends. If you don't teach them how to fear God, they will have no respect for God and ultimately none for you. The people were commanded to remember two things, what they saw and what they heard. Listen to this uh, verses uh, 13, 14, uh, uh, where the scripture says, you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire, this is what they saw, to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. This is bless me here. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form. You saw, he's teaching them about what God is like. That's how you learn the fear of God. You heard his voice, but you saw no form. Oh, Lord, Lord, Jesus. There was only a voice. There was only a voice. They saw the power of God on display. He said, remember, 
You saw my power on display before you entered into the promised land, before you crossed the Canaan uh, uh, River, the the Jordan River. You saw my power. There was lightning. There was smoke. There was an earthquake. And the people said to Moses, please protect us from God. Please don't let us get too close for the judge. So they saw the power of God. A part of learning to reverence God is to recognize his power. The Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And so they saw the power of God, but they also experienced the protection of God. Even though the earth was shaking and the lightning was flashing and dark smoke was coming from, the, from Mount Horeb, God did not consume them. How many of you know it's by his mercy that we are not consumed? Aren't you glad about it? And so they saw the protection of God. One of the things that will help you to fear the Lord is that you know that he keeps you from, he watches over you both day and night. He keeps us from harm that is seen and unseen. So they saw the protection of the Lord, but they also saw the presence of the Lord by his actions. You heard the sound of his words, but you saw no form. The Bible says that God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So so what what, what they saw was teaching them how to reverence God. The God of the Bible is not fashioned with man's hands. The God of the Bible is not an image, not a rabbit's foot. The God of the Bible is invisible, intangible. Immaterial. God is spirit. So they so he said, We we experienced the presence of God, but we never saw him. We heard his voice, we saw his power, we experienced his divine presence. But they also heard the proclamation of the word of God. God spoke to them at Mount Horeb and gave them an oral rendition of the Ten Commandments that he instructed Moses to instruct them. And so the people who saw the power, the protection of God, and the presence of God through his actions were also exposed to what we call direct revelation. They came to learn what we will learn is that all Scripture is given by the theonumatos, by the very breath of of God. The words that they heard at Mount Horeb were the very words of God. That's why we respect the Bible, because it comes from the very mouth of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction and righteousness that the man and the woman of God may be adequately prepared for all good work. They heard the word. That's why when you sit and you hear this word, you can't just sit still because the Bible says, so shall my word be and go forth out of my mouth. It will never return unto me. The word will do something to you. It does like Jeremiah said. The word was like fire. I wanted to quit. But the word, but the word, but the word, that's what keeps us coming back. I know I'm handsome and all that. I better tell myself that nobody else will. But it's the word. The only authority that I have to stand before you is this word. And so they got a proceeding word from the very mouth of God. And that's how 
they learn how to fear God. His power, his protection, his presence, the proclamation of his word. God was teaching them how to reverence him, but he was going to communicate more specifically through Moses and through parents. Teach your children so that they can teach their children throughout the generations. It's a learned behavior. When I grew up, I'm the oldest of nine. One of the most dreadful days of the week was when it was thundering and lightning. That meant God was mad and God wanted to say something. Because God wanted to talk. That means that all electronic devices were shut down, unplugged from the wall. And we had to sit in total silence lest we upset God. I was like, come on, God. <laughs> I want to see the cartoon. Come on, God. Now, even though the theology was wrong, what my parents were teaching me is that you don't play with God. They were teaching me that God was to be respected and reverenced. And when, he, when God speaks, that's why we stand up when we read the word, because it's the very word of God. That's a sign of reverence. There's nothing more disrespectful. We understand this. You're talking to somebody, and they, they just totally not, they, I mean, they're talking about the moon, the sun, the stars. Are they, we, none of us like that, do we? That's rude. How rude are we when we disregard the God of the Bible. Let's, let, let, let me run, run one more It can also not only um, is this uh, something that we need to teach, it's something that must be taught. It is also something, something that can be misunderstood. Say misunderstood. misunderstood. By man-made theology. When you get an opportunity, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 25, verse 25. And it's the story about the, 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 the three servants that the Lord gave talents. One got five, the other got two, and the last dude got one. And the Lord said, I'm coming back. And I, I invest my resources. So he comes back, the five multiplied his by, by five, ten. He, he ended up with doubling it. The, the one who had the two had four, he doubled his. And this last joker... The church attender, the, the one who sit up on his hands and come to church every Sunday, man, that wasn't the best praise and worship. I wish they would have lasted a little longer. I wish they had four or five more people in it. I wonder where the horns are, and, and, and why don't they sound like Beyonce? And why don't you, you the ones that come and do nothing? The Bible says when the Lord came for his talent, investment, here's what happens. Then he who had received the one talent came and he said, Lord... I knew you really did. You to be a hard man, reaping where you hadn't sown and gathering where you had not scattered. And I was scared. I was terrified. I was frightened. I was, I was beyond the ability to do anything because I thought you were going to destroy. So he said, I was afraid, and I would not hid your talents in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. 
This is man-made theology about fearing God. Fearing God in the Bible does not mean that you're terrified, that you're paralyzed and won't. That type of theology is based on God as a condemner, not as a loving chastiser or corrector. God chastises his children. He never condemns us. He never judges us. Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So, man made theology will make you think that God is this angry person in heaven waiting to bop you over the head every time you think about doing something wrong. Now, when I was a new Christian, actually, that was the God of the Bible. I believe I was terrified of God. I stopped going to the movies because I said, if I would get caught in the movie watching James Bond, <laughs> what, is the rap, what if the rapture occurred? God going to leave me. I'm going to bust. So I, I stopped doing a whole lot of things because I was afraid of condemnation. But I came to learn that the reason we should obey God is not because we are terrified of him, because he's going to bring judgment, but we should we respond to God in reverence because he says he chastens those who he loves for correction, for discipline. So it can be misunderstood by man-made theology. It can also be, it can be messed up because of maximizing the importance of people. And minimizing God. We put people above God. We be arguing. Yeah, I wish you would do that. I'll bust you up in the head. And yeah, I was the one who, I burned your food on purpose. Yes, I did. And I was five hours late. I knew I should have been. And then you're yelling, going back and forth. And the pastor called, hey, pastor. God is good. All the time, God is good. So you should respect your pastor and the elders and the leaders, but not above God. We fear what people think about us. That's why we perform in public and act like demons in private. You act like a child of Beelzebub at home. Jesus said, do not fear him who is able to only destroy your body, but rather fear him who's able to destroy both body and soul and then send your tail to hell. Fear God. We misunderstand the fear of God when we maximize people. We, we get all nervous and upset and can't talk and can't walk because we're afraid that somebody's going to see our makeup's not right. We have elevated men and minimized God. So we don't fear God as much as we fear the people who represent God. We misunderstand the grace of God. Some people don't have a fear of God because they're getting away with their sinning. It ain't nothing happened yet. <laughs> man, God's grace is good. I know I'm going to heaven, it's secure, but the Bible says judgment starts at the household of God. And the Bible says, be sure that your salvation is actually real. That's scripture, because everybody talking about heaven, many shall say in that day, Lord, have I not? And the Lord says, I will say to them in that day, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So we mistake the delay of God as if God has gotten soft on sin. 
But the Bible says, don't, he said, beloved, be not, don't, don't, don't misunderstand that one day with the Lord is as a thousand days. And the thousand, judgment's coming. It just may be delayed, but it's coming. It's certain. God is not willing that any should perish, but he's patient. The patience of God. God is way. There's not a sin that you will ever commit that escapes the notice of God. There's not a single one thing that you do, even when nobody else knows about it, that there is not a judgment for it. So the judgment may seem, may be that your conscience is becoming hardened. It don't bother you no more. What used to make you cry, what used to make you feel guilty and shame, you don't feel shame no more. And then what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, that God can give us over to reprobation, to, to seared consciences, where you can no longer respond to the call of God, where there's no place for repentance. The worst thing that God can do to you while you're on earth before you get, go to your eternal destination is just to cut the anchor and let you drift into your sin. That's the worst thing that God can do, and you can never return to shore. And so we misunderstand the grace of God. You somewhere, the, the lights are dark, you're mile, hundreds of miles away from the church, and nobody knows you where you are. God is omnipresent. If you ascend into the heaven, Lord said, David said, God is there. If I made my bed up in hell, even his presence is there. Where can we flee from? The, nowhere. Before you get there, he's there. And when you get ready to leave to go where you're going, he's already there to meet you. That's the God of the Bible. It should, here's how we should understand what it means to fear God. Here's what it means to fear God. The fear of God is an inward attitude of humility or humble reverence towards him. It's a humble reverence towards him. I'm going to break that down. This is a little, a humble reverence towards him in response to what he has revealed about himself. So humility is in response to what God has shown you about himself that results in obedience to his word. There's no such thing as fearing God but living like the devil. If you fear God, you're going to obey God. The two are hand in hand. When, I'm, when I am being obedient to God, I'm fearing God. When I'm not being obedient, I'm not fearing God. The two go hand in hand. So it's an attitude of humble reverence based on what God has revealed about himself, resulting in obedience to his word. That's what it means to fear the Lord. Somebody say amen. When you get a chance, Psalm 33, verse 8 and 9 will help us with that definition. Now, the fear of God biblically causes the following. Here's how you know. And this is what, this is what I'm going to tell you what birthed this, this series. I was in a room with a couple. And they, their marriage was really going into tubes. And I was sharing from the word. And the spirit that rose up in that room, I couldn't identify this. What is this? Why is there such a, an anger? Why is there such a pushback? Why is there so much disrespect for me as a pastor? And then the Lord revealed it. These people don't fear God. The Bible says judge, discern what spirit you're dealing with. 
And so I walked away with these people clearly understanding what the Bible teaches about marriage, but unwilling to, to submit to it and to even the, 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 just blowing the pastor off. I ain't nobody. I'm just ordained by God, appointed, and assigned to minister to you. And God said, don't make my job hard because it'll be hard on you. But that was a spirit. If you get around people that don't fear God, that's what we have today. People that have no, that's why we are under judgment. Look around, folks. I know you got your, your tickets planned to go to Las Vegas, but when you get there, you're going to be driving through floodwaters. And when you decide to go back to Florida because you got your, your timeshare there, and there's nothing wrong with timeshares and Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck, but when you go there, you'll see that a tornado and a hurricane hit there. And don't think you're going to go to Las The judgment of God is upon us because there's no fear of him. The Bible says in Hebrews that they will, men will know that there is a God in heaven by the shaking that I'm going to cause on the earth. I'm going to shake everything that man has confidence in. So here are the things that are going to cause you to know that, that you fear God. One, there will be a clarity. Say clarity. Oh, this is powerful. Listen to this. This is a clarity from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read it. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Here's your clarity. The word Lord is Adonai. I saw the sovereign ruler over the hosts of heaven and earth. That's what Isaiah saw. Watch out. Watch out, y'all. Y'all still with me? Sitting on the throne. That's the transcendency of God. He sees everything, but he's above everything. I saw him as transcendent. He was sitting on the throne. And he said that the train of his robe filled the temple. That's a picture of the, the omnipresence. He was everywhere present in the temple. So not only is he Adoniah and tra- above everything, he is everywhere at the same time. And he said that the angels who are holy were so taken by the holiness of God that they had to cover their faces as they sung Gadosh, Gadosh, Gadosh. They kept singing holy, 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 the whole earth. And so Isaiah said, I got clarity about what God is like when I saw him as as Adonijah, as transcendent, as omnipresent, as holy. When you see God through the lenses of Scripture and even your experience, you will have a different view of him. The problem is we don't know what God is like. We don't know what God is like. So clarity came. He saw God. And here's what happens when you see God for what he's like. Humility will follow. He said, woe is me. Oh, God, the angels should be here. The smoke that's filling the temple should be here. God who's sitting on the throne who is none other than the pre-incarnate Christ. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. We learned that in John chapter 12, that when Jesus said, I ego, I ain't me, is that it was Jesus who he was seeing on the throne. But he said, I ain't supposed to be here. When you see God for what he's like, it will humble you because you know God is holy and we ain't. If the angels couldn't look on him, what about us? So people who fear God are humble people. 
somebody's arrogant, they, don't, they haven't really seen God. They need some clarity on what God is like because when you have clarity, don't matter how long you've been saved, we still sinners by, saved by grace. So humility, and here's another thing, purity that comes from the personal, from personal confession, profession. He said, I'm unclean, and I dwell among those who have unclean lips. And the Lord dispatched an angel with a coal from the fire, from the mercy seed, and he told the angel to touch Isaiah's lips. And he said, see that you confess, now you're clean. So one of the things that is true of people who fear God is that there's a desire for purity, for holiness, for sanctification, for living for God. And so he confessed humility, and humility results in purity. God sent an angel. How many of you know that if we confess our sins? When's the last time you confessed anything? I know you've been sinning because God said, if you say you haven't sinned, guess what? Not only have you sinned, you're sinning right then, but he calls those kind of people what? You're a liar. God calls you a liar right to your face. But then there's not only is there purity and humility and clarity when people have a real understanding of the fear of God, there will also be a consistency in your willingness to submit to his word and will for your life. Isaiah said, then I heard a voice saying, who shall I send and who will go for us? This is the consistency and the willingness to submit to it. He said, here am I when you see God as transcendent and holy and omnipresent and, 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 and sovereign. You will have the attitude that says, Lord, whatever you want, here am I. Send me. Have you seen him? You can't really serve him until you've seen him. Have you seen him? You can't really reverence him until you see him for who he is. When you see him for who he is, you will have an attitude of humility because of what he revealed to you about himself that will result in obedience to the word. Oh, we almost done. Y'all ready? We're going to finish this up. Now, what are some of the benefits of reverencing, of fearing God. I'm glad you asked. That's our key anchor passage. Write this down. Psalm 112, verses 1 through 4. Here's what the Lord says. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear me. What did he say? Blessed. So if you fear God, you reverence him, you are humble based on what he's revealed about himself, and you're walking in obedience to his word, he said, you're going to be blessed. Anybody want to be blessed? Anybody want the favor of God poured out the windows of heaven? Not the window of heaven, but the windows of heaven open up. He said, I will pour you out a blessing. He said, blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. The two go hand in hand, fear and obedience. Their children will be mighty in the land. God said that you believe the word. The generations of the upright will be blessed. Your gen generations will be blessed through you. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and the righteous endure forever. Even in darkness, light will dawn in your, to, to the upright. Even when you're going through something, you don't fully understand it. The Lord says, I have not seen 
neither ears heard what the Lord has prepared for those. So he said, when you fear me, I'm going to whisper secrets in your ear. I'm going to give you direction. I'm going to really open doors that no one else. Walking in fear. Let me share a couple other things. Walking in fear makes spiritual growth possible. Some of us have been in the same place spiritually that we started 10 years ago. You don't trust the Lord any more than you did 10 years ago. If you look at your journey and ask yourself, what has changed? The, only, the way you grow spiritually is to fear God. Listen to this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, since we have these promises, the word of God, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body, body and spirit. Here it is. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. When I fear God, it will perfect, it will complete, it will cause me to grow up in Christ. There's stuff I'm not going to do because I'm afraid that I will dishonor God. Joseph said, I could. I could have this woman. She want me and I want her. She grown, I'm grown. It's strictly physical. What love got to do with it? But Joseph said, how can I commit this sin against my God? The things that you shouldn't do because you fear God. You reverence God. I want to tell this man off right now. I'm about to show him I still got a lot of this. All that stuff that I used to have, I still, it's still there. How many of you know the old man is still there? I'm going to show him. And as soon as you get ready to open up your mouth, the fear of God, the Bible says that the love of Christ constrains us. It pulls you back in because you reverence God. I could make this woman's life miserable, but the love of Christ, I, I, I just can't do what I used to do, the love of Christ. Oh, let me just say, oh, the love of Christ. I'm so glad for the love of Christ that holds me back. I'm so glad. Oh, God. Oh, 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 God. The love, the love, the love of Christ. Oh, oh, oh. I got to preach tonight at Christian Stronghold. Amen. Praying for me. Walking in fear will bless your marriage. Walking in the fear of God. In uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, Submit yourself. Submission, uh, it says, Submit to one another. In the reverence of Christ. A husband will love his wife as Christ loved the church. And a wife will come under her husband's authority when there is the fear of God. And your marriage will be blessed. Walking in fear will cause our church to grow. When people see how we honor God, how we don't play with God. 
And you read this, this is in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. The, the, the Bible says, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and strengthening. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, the church increased in number. When we get serious about the word of God and who God is. That will allow our lights to so shine before men that they will see our good works. And they will ask a reason for the hope that is within us with fear and in trembling. We will tell them it's the God we serve. The church will grow when the people got. Now, how, how, how can you walk in the fear of God? I'm glad you asked. Because God is not going to reign where you don't reverence him. You need to study the word of God to get clarity on what God is like. I know what my parents thought God was like. That was a God of judgment. That wasn't the God of the Bible. But it did teach me to fear God. You need to do a study on not how you can get more money, how you can be more gorgeous, how you can make more friends, who you can meet on Facebook, how you can get traveling buddies. You need to, get, you need to do a study on the nature and the character of God. What is God like? You also need to start looking at your life from the lens of Scripture for personal humility. What does the Bible say about you in relationship to being like Jesus? Are you more like Jesus today than you were yesterday? What happens when you make Jesus the goal, the standard? It will cause you to walk in humility. Here's the third thing. Stop playing with sin and walk in purity. I don't know what you do in your private life, but if you want to walk in power, you want to walk in anointing, you want to have authority, you want to be able to speak over people's lives, you want to have the peace of where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, you got to fear God. You got you to forsake sin. Well, I ain't sin. All I do is watch TV all day. That, that ain't God. <laughs> Be in the world, but not of the world. Well, how much time are you spending in the Word and in prayer? Here's a final thing. Surrender to the will of God as he reveals it to you. What is God telling you to do right now? When you fear the Lord, you will have that answer. Here am I. Here am I. What is God telling you to do that you're saying no to? What can't God have if he asks you for it? The fear of, stand with me, the fear of the Lord will allow you to hold on things loosely. Loosely because it all, it belongs to him. It belongs to him. The story is told of a wealthy man who decided to invite Jesus to stay in one of his mansions, just one of them. And he gave Jesus the best room in the house. And he told Jesus that he could stay in the room until he said it was time for him to leave. But he had no permission to go to any other place in the house. So every night about 12 in the morning, 12 midnight, a knock would be on this man's door and 
he would open it, and hordes of demons would come in and torment the man every night. And this went on for three days. And the man knocked on Jesus' door. He said, Jesus, you ain't doing your job. Why are these demons tormenting me? Why am I not being blessed? You're here in my house. He said, but I have no control over any other part of your house because I can't reign where I'm not reverenced. What part of your life have you given Jesus? Do not disturb. I want you to know that he will reign. He will bless you. He will strengthen you. He will give you the ability to have discernment between what is best and what is good. He will give you an authority that you didn't even know you had. He will give you an, a confidence. He will begin to release blessings when you, re, when you reverence him. Give him control over every area in your life because he will reign where he's reverence. Let's pray. Father God, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we need you today. Father, where would we be without you? Father, we surrender those areas in our life that we have not giving you complete authority over. Father, forgive us for the lack of fear. Father, forgive us as parents for not teaching our children what we have seen and what we heard about who you are and what we've experienced ourselves. Father, we've given our children everything but the fear of God. Father, more children than ever before are on psychotropic medications, in therapy, confused about their genders, angry, filled with hearts of murder, no love, desire for the church. Father, it starts at home. Father, teach us to reverence you so that you can reign. Jesus, I surrender. I surrender 